Hey everybody, I'm sure that you've noticed by now that the year 2020 in the United States is tough. It, it's a bad time right now. So we decided to have a conversation about Star Trek and its palliative effects on us, the fans. Uh, the, the way that people return to Star Trek when they're feeling down and use it to lift themselves back up again. This conversation was part of the At Home Con online convention event through the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. We put that together in late June. We streamed it live to Facebook, and I'm now releasing that conversation as the next episode of The Prime Direction. I hope everyone enjoys it. It was a great talk with great people, and it begins now. Welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen, once again to another episode of The Prime Direction, this time a special episode recorded live during At Home Con uh, Saturday, June 27th. It is 10 a.m. Eastern time as we begin, and what a way to start the morning with a bunch of Star Trek fans. Uh, as we kick off here on Stardate 73953.9, yes, I did the math. I have three guests with me to discuss Star Trek, uh, having a fandom for it, and how people have been utilizing and relying on that fandom during these uh, banana bonkers days of 2020, where uh, just when you think there cannot be another dumpster fire, you find three more around the corner. Uh, with me today, we are going to introduce in counterclockwise fashion, starting to my camera left sean ray how's it going my name is sean ray i'm the host of cosmic potato and um star trek all access and aren't all podcasts recorded live touche <laughs> <laughs> and nestled into the camera grid below him we have rick Good morning, everyone. I'm Rick. I am the host of Starbase 66 and Open the Iris. Well, one of the hosts of those shows. Uh, and uh, I'm uh, enjoying some coffee. So good morning. And rounding out our panel this morning, we have live from Texas as opposed to not alive from Texas. I just, I just made myself <laughs> sad. <laughs> we have Virginia. Hello. I'm Virginia. I have nothing witty to say. Virginia has a new granddaughter. Grandson, yes. Grandson, excuse me. Grandson. Yes. Grand creature. <laughs> and, Born and she, two weeks ago, actually. Congratulations. And she also hosts a podcast. It's on hiatus right now. But you still have old episodes available, right? That's true. I'm the co-host of Wait You've Never Seen. And you can find that on the Cosmic Potato Network. I, re I remember once upon a time being uh, invited to come on that show to discuss a uh, Netflix series that I still haven't watched. I am <laughs> the worst. I'm, I'm just the worst. Um, so Star Trek and the Calamitous 2020. Anyone have any any opening thoughts on this? Sometimes watch. I read an article recently that said that um, people with I, I brought this up before on a podcast, but people that have anxiety tend to enjoy going back and watching television that they've already seen, even stuff that they've seen several times, rather than watch new things because they already know what's going to happen. They know how it's going to end and they don't have to deal with any of that. And I think that right now in 2020, I could probably say that everybody has some form of anxiety. <laughs> and um, so we're, we're finding ourselves going to Netflix because there's not a lot of new stuff coming out anyway, other than like reality television and stuff like that. So going back and watching things that we've already seen and star Trek is definitely one of those things that is like a warm blanket. You know, you can just, you can watch it. You've already seen it. You know, it's going to happen, but you know, those characters, they're your friends. You grew up with them. 
and it's just like hanging out with some friends, you know. Even with the episodes that are a bit more tense or intense uh, or have dramatic action sequences, things like that, <clears throat> most of the Star Trek series, uh, either they were made in the in the 60s or the late 80s, early 90s, where uh, intense and um, and you know stressful, uncertain situations on television were presented uh, much less dramatically in comparison to today. So, for example, I don't see myself going back and rewatching the first two seasons of Discovery to try to calm down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas Next Generation, even when things were getting you know uh, pretty pretty hairy, you know they're locked in Mortal Combat with the Borg. It's not really all that uh, mortal as you're watching it, so it doesn't it doesn't tend to stress people out quite as much, I think. Um, and just in case there are uh, haters that are listening now or might listen later, I, I should make it clear: it is obvious that Star Trek is not the only franchise that people are turning to and relying on uh, these days. It's just what most strong Star Trek fans are going to be leaning on. I know there's got to be some people out there who, uh, as we get further into all the various crises of 2020, they're going to say, man, I just, I want nothing more than to just sit down and, and uh, binge watch uh, three hours of mash because Alan Alda is my ambient. <laughs> Someone's got to be saying that. It's not me, but they, they, they have to be out there. So it's not just Star Trek, but for us, it is. Yeah, I, I recently just rewatched the entire series of The Office, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. For me, if it's not Star Trek, then um, it's usually The West Wing. I don't know why that show almost never gets old for me. Although, considering a few of the crises going on. Maybe the West wing is not the best show to watch right now. Cause it's just, yeah, gonna, I don't, I don't think I'd want to watch anything that has politics as it's backdrop <laughs> right now. <laughs> It'll just make yeah. me more upset until I get to uh, the finale of season three and I can look for Armin Shimmerman uh, hiding in the background and that will perk me up for a moment, but then it's just right back to the sadness. <laughs> Rick, you look so, so upset. Oh, sorry. I'm trying to download uh, something. Um, this is Rick. No, and I'm also trying to figure out what... Sounds like someone's either using an angle grinder or maybe stretching a mouse through a laundry dryer <laughs> in the background somewhere. I thought it was a baby. There is a baby crying in the other room. Oh, oh, is that... Okay, that's yeah. baby. Okay. Is it that? I have grandparent senses now. <laughs> hey buddy are you okay yeah <laughs> um you know i'm a, I'm a little uh, well i'm a little strange that's a given anyway um i don't generally go back and watch stuff as a as a palliative um i've been trying to think about how to answer this question ever since you asked it of me yesterday um I, I don't, and as I get older, I find myself less inclined to watch things I've already seen uh, for some reason. Um, but with Star Trek, it's not so much a matter of I watch it as a, as a you know, as a, a salve or a balm or uh, something like that. It's just, it is so much the bedrock of my beliefs, of my personality. Uh, my credo, my outlook on life, that I just have to believe that even though right now, believing that human humanity <clears throat> is destined to be a lot smarter and a lot better than we are, seems further from possibility than it's ever been in my life. Uh, I have to just go with the the absolute certainty that uh, we will get to the Star Trek future because I can't conceive of a future that isn't. Um, you know, we, we love the dystopias. Uh, even Star Trek has gotten darker over the years. That's a whole other discussion um, 
that we've all had ad nauseum. Um, but even even at its darkest moments, even in its most bleak uh, episodes, Star Trek has given us a, a hope for the future that um, moments like this that we're living through are brief blips um, or birth pangs. And so while I can't say I sit down and, you know, like watching, um, what, what's the, what's the one with the bell riots on DS9? Uh, present or past tense one and it two. It is past tense. Okay. Um, you know, for, uh, adjust the contrast. Um, <laughs> just, just, uh, John, are you asking to be, uh, added into the show? <laughs> <laughs> adjust the contrast by adding him to it. Eddie me, Eddie me. I don't know. <laughs> that could be add me. That's what I'm thinking. Um, <clears throat> but you know, watching watching that episode, while it may be frighteningly on target, you know, way more so than we ever dared to think it could be. <clears throat> you know, I'm not going to do that right now. Uh, but there may be some people that should. Um, Practical advice. Okay. John, come on the show and, and tell us what you're trying to say. <laughs> he's commenting on what you're saying, but he's not using complete sentences. And neither am I. So it's like. It's, it's... I just sent him the link. So, Sean, if you see him hot backstage. Oh, he says Star, Star Trek, Trek has gotten, gotten Yeah, dark. Star Trek has gotten. Oh. <laughs> Gotcha. Adjust the contrast because Star Trek has gotten darker. Um, <laughs> but you know the the no no that's that's a that's a whole other discussion again. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But but yeah, Star Trek. I don't necessarily need to see it every day for its uh, optimism to fuel even my darkest moments when I'm like this 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 species we don't deserve to go on. Uh, you know, we're just too stupid to live. Um, ah, John's making breakfast. He can't come in. Yes. Um, but Star Trek gives me hope that that uh, that there is a future, even if we're not necessarily seeing it uh, bloom right now. Exactly. Though those of us who the the people who watch Star Trek and love it and appreciate it, uh, not just for the the science fiction fun that it has been presenting for all these decades, but for the, uh, for the philosophical aspect, for the uh, ambition, for the optimism that it, that it gives us people who see that tend to internalize it. And, and some are like me who, uh, you know, I, I enjoy if there's, if there's nothing else that is on my list of things that I need to watch or listen to while I'm doing this or that, then I will throw uh, Star Trek on, all, all seven seasons of Next Generation on shuffle on my TV and just have that play in the background while I'm doing other things. Um, it just, it's that comforting presence uh, because it's not like I can uh, call home and say, hey, mom, will you just stand the speakerphone with me for three hours because uh, everything is horrible. Yeah. Can't do that. But I can have Star Trek on the TV and it's close. Um, and we, we know there are others out there who, who, somehow consider themselves uh, solid, strong, and longtime Star Trek fans since it started back in the 60s. And I don't want these uh, politics in my Star Trek. I don't want these uh, socially conscious storylines in my Star Trek. Why do they have to shove those in there? It's not like they were ever there before, even though they were always there before. Yeah. <laughs> you understand. <laughs> yeah, and I ne haven't necessarily been watching a lot of star trek lately because i've been working 16 hour days and it's uh you know it's hard to sit down and watch anything but um i have been uh on a lot of star trek uh group pages on facebook the ones that don't allow all the fan whining <laughs> <laughs> and uh and also you know looking at star trek memes and reading articles uh, I've been reading a Star Trek novel lately. Um, so things like that. So Star Trek is always like there, even if I'm not watching the actual show. Mm -hmm. 
as as the smallest example, you can see this behind me. Uh, to, for for this panel, I'm not using a, a green screen backdrop. This is for real, and this hangs over my, my television every day. And it's one of many of the different uh, uh, Star Trek reminders that I have throughout this apartment. Mm -hmm. Got my um, LED uh, acrylic um, schematic display here on my desk. I've got a framed a piece of framed art with a. Uh, Data's Ode to Spot on the wall directly below that is Picard's <laughs> Rescue Flute. Um, I just just got this in in the mail this past week. My uh, Picard era. Oh, I, cool! Yeah, and I, I, I. It took some looking because it's easy to find these in like a three D printed version, but this yeah. one this is actually uh, alloy. I'm assuming uh, uh, zinc, a zinc alloy for the for the delta i didn't want just plastic this one's got a little bit more more heft so this can uh sit proudly alongside the um quantum mechanics branded uh voyager combat that i have and the uh klingon trifoil i'll get those up on the wall on display later on and everything that i've listed doesn't even come close to starting the, the star trek collection i'm turning this this entire apartment into a Star Trek shrine almost, and I I couldn't be happier about it. I, I will never have enough Star Trek up here just to hold me in the universe that is Star Trek because it is it's it's comforting, not just because of the familiarity, because of how well I know the series after all these years, but because of the message that Star Trek constantly sends. And the people who say that new Star Trek doesn't send that optimistic message, they're looking at it from the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Boz says his VR is his holodeck, and uh, he must buy Bridge Crew. I guess that's a game for the VR. <laughs> it, it is. It is a virtual reality Star Trek game. Uh, the the base version, which I had uh, back when I was living at the house, but since the PlayStation was not mine, I could not bring it with me, so I no longer have the game. Uh, but the base version of Bridge Crew, uh, it, it can be played without VR, but it works best Um in a VR setup, and it puts you on the bridge of a Kelvin timeline uh, Starfleet vessel oh, as cool. the captain, and you have your crew members around. You can play it as single player, and you can give orders to all your other people. Uh, it's also a multiplayer game where one person will be the captain, one is the con officer, one is ops. You have a, a science officer in the back, and as you're live on microphone with the rest of your crew, you can. You know, if we were on it, I could say uh, uh, Ensign Ray. Uh, target weapons on the on the Romulan uh, warbird, and then your job is to do exactly that using your control set. Uh, it it really turns all the players in the game into a, an actual bridge crew. You got to learn your jobs, learn how your station works, and then work together to to pull it off. Which sounded interesting enough, and then they made the announcement, and it's it's been out for a couple of years now. They have a DLC pack, which will skin everything as the Enterprise D. Oh, cool! Yeah. Next generation uniforms, uh, you get uh, a pop-up pad for your uh, for your control interface. Uh, the The layout of the bridge is a is a perfect recreation of a galaxy class. It's gorgeous. I never had the chance to get that DLC because I I just didn't get around to it. I was waiting for it to go on sale. I I missed one sale and never went back on sale again when I had the opportunity. So I missed out. One of these days, if I get myself a, a PS4 uh, you know, used after the PS5 comes out and is yeah. out for a while and the prices drop on the PS4 yeah. and, and a VR set, if I can if I can get it for a reasonable amount, I'll probably get one for myself just so I can get Bridge Crew and Star Trek Online. And I'll have to start that from the beginning, go from a cadet all the way up to a fleet admiral like I did last time. <laughs> John's got a question here. Um, do you guys think there's too much pressure on Star Trek properties like to adhere to canon and be fun yet deep yet political yet non-political and all around perfect like it's on too high a pedestal? I don't know about pressure because yeah. I don't think they're really worrying about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I've, think they just... I, I, I immediately have like like three three different uh, uh, sections of an answer, but I'm not going to start. I'm going to let you guys jump in first. Well, I think that I mean they're they're trying to adhere to canon and uh, 
grow the evolve the canon, I guess is a better word than grow. They're trying to evolve the canon at the same time as adhering to it. Because I've made the argument so many times when your canon is over 50 years old, you have to evolve it or you're going to limit yourself on the stories you can tell. That's why Doctor Who doesn't worry about canon nearly as much as Star Trek does. You know, that Doctor Who changes their canon all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they don't care, you know, and the fans for the most part don't care. They, they're still going to enjoy oh. the show. Oh, <laughs> well, I said for the most part, there's some, there's always that vocal, that yeah. vocal group that's out there. But I, uh, I, if you're lucky, writers... who, who might uh, explain changes in the canon if you're lucky, but half the time they don't, they'll just change it and keep on going. If, hey, if you want to stick around and enjoy it, then you got to keep up. Yeah. The, um, the writers have to, you know, some of them really try to walk the line, but there's there's a lot of stuff that, <clears throat> excuse me, that we don't know about. You know, there are pressures from studios, there are pressures from marketing, there are people who really have, you know, no idea what the show is about, but just no television. Who are you know, and that's how we get crap like like decontamination gel scenes and stuff like that, where you've got some some exec goes, we need to sex this up, have them smear this shit all over each other, you know, and <laughs> and um, you know, everybody complains about the new look of Disco Discovery and Picard and and the the, the new Enterprise, and you know, that's not canon this, and that's not continuity that, and yes, John, I absolutely do think that some fans and i know i have been and continue to be one of them in time at times uh put way too much too many expectations on star trek um someday when i have the luxury of more time um not sure what scene you liked um smearing the contamination joe oh right 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 okay uh um Okay. Uh, oh, someday when I when I have the time, I, there's a there's a sh- podcast I want to do. It obviously will have a very limited run, but I just want to go through all of TOS and and make note of every contradiction, everything that they say that is no longer canon, uh, you know, and and just make maybe not even just a, a podcast, maybe a spread. I, I don't do spreadsheets, but you know, something like that where it'll be like. In episode this, Kurt called it the United Space Agency. And then three weeks later, it's the United Federation of Planets. And then Spock's from Vulcania. And now he's from Vulcan. And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And all of this stuff. Because the fans get so hung up on some of these this, this minutia of, you know, how can there be Tribbles in, dis, in, uh, in Enterprise when no one had heard of Tribbles before the Trouble with Tribbles? And I'm like, no, we just know that the Enterprise crew hadn't seen one. Um, and even then, we just know that the bridge crew hadn't seen one. And, and it just <laughs> Raven says it'll be your manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so absolutely, people put way, way, way too much pressure on on shows because they're, they're, I read an interview with Gene Roddenberry recently where he he said flat out, television is to sell toothpaste, and if you manage to squeeze some art into it, then so much the better. But ultimately. It's to sell shit and, uh, and folks need to, you know, and, and I, I, I was thinking about this last night. We were talking when we were talking about stuff and I don't even remember which conversation inspired it. Um, but while I'm not a, a huge consumer of the novels, the novels are really the place to go to see the kind of intense, minute attention to detail that people sometimes want from the shows because there, there are so many concerns and so many people pulling at the writers and the producers and the directors and the designers for the on-screen stuff that they can't always give that sort of attention to detail that people either demand or imagine is there. And yeah. I think the place for that is to go to the novels where someone can pull out a microscope and look into Spock's history or something like that, whether it's canon or not. Um, and just enjoy the stories. Uh, 
Virginia, oh. do you have anything on on the, <laughs> um, on, on the pressure that uh, Star Trek producers are under to to, um, to perform? I think Rick kind of covered it. Yeah, um, there is a lot of a lot of pressure, but yeah, what can you do with a with a fifty year fandom? You can't. There's going to be inconsistencies, and you just got to roll with it. Like, don't. I think people put expect too much, like John was saying, like on a pedestal and like any crack in it is just, just going to ruin it forever. No, it's just, it's just different. And you have to adjust because it's kind of, I don't know. I think, I think it's ridiculous the amount of pressure that some people put on the shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at the end of the day, if the show doesn't make money, it's not going to last. And if they only make the show for existing fans, then it's not going to last. They have to make a show that's going to bring new people in. You know, you can't... Star Trek's been around for 53 years, I think. 50, 54. 54 it, years. 66 is 54. So fans that have been watching the show from the beginning are in their late 50s. Mid. And older and older. <laughs> so if you're only making a show for 55 plus people, you know, in that age group, then the show's not going to not going to last forever. You know, you have to make a show that teenagers, millennials, Generation Z, that they're going to be interested in coming and watching, too. If you want a show that's going to last or a franchise, not necessarily one series, but a franchise that's going to continue to last for years so uh as far as <clears throat> pardon me as far as uh the franchise of star trek being under a lot of pressure to uh, adhere to canon to be perfect uh to be fun to be non-political uh i think is it under a lot of pressure it is under a lot of pressure to do that but that pressure is coming from uh hot take the wrong people uh it's it's coming from folks who don't want star trek to be the best version of itself they want star trek to be what it was when they enjoyed watching it and they don't want anything to change mm -hmm. and that that ties in with exactly what you were saying at after a certain amount of time uh anything especially a, a television property if it's been going on for this long has to change and it has to evolve it has to remain flexible and malleable to match the needs of the television audience at the time. Um, an example of something that didn't do that would be uh, Jay Leno. And you notice he's uh, not exactly, uh, you know, breaking records with his, <laughs> with his popularity these days, because that's just not the, the style of humor that people uh, want to turn towards. Ah, see, there we go. John, John hit, hitting it on, on the on the head once again. The SNL syndrome. The same thing doesn't remain funny forever. It has to change. What my parents thought was hilarious is not necessarily what I find hilarious. What my parents thought was uh, gripping television, not necessarily what I think is gripping television, which is why I think my father finds himself so easily bored by Star Trek Discovery, because that's not his style of television anymore. And while I'm always sad when any Star Trek fan is disappointed in what they're getting or when any Star Trek fan decides they don't want to watch new stuff anymore because it, it's not to their taste, it's, it's sad, it's unfortunate, but it's necessary. People are going to drop off from any fandom the longer it goes on. Mm -hmm. And... Uh while I would love to see all Star Trek fans stay Star Trek fans forever, it's not realistic. Tom, you're right. I was thinking that both Steve Martin and Bobcat Goldthwait are, they've evolved their comedy over the years and they're still relevant. I mean, I don't, I don't know how, how visible Bobcat is anymore, but he's not doing the, you know, screamy kind of. No, he's directing now. Anymore. Yeah. yeah. He, um, I, I saw a stand-up special that he did and to see him performing stand-up comedy just as, as as the person he is rather than as the caricature of a human that he developed in the 80s, it's it's shocking. 
to see him talking like a regular person. It's wild. Yeah. Or Emo Phillips or Judy Tenuta or any of those. You know, there was that period in the 80s where musicians and comedians would would create these, you know, really bizarre personas. I kind of miss that in music when I've, I've watched like old 80s videos and stuff. And, and you know, people like Gary Newman or, or uh, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, hang on a second. I'm recording here. Hang on. We'll, we'll talk music. I'm, I'm trying to figure out who, uh, who he was leading towards. Um, there was someone, and see, now, now I've lost it too. There was a, uh, an 80s musician that I was thinking of, but I, I, I also can't think of the 80s musician. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, but also, but look at like David Bowie, who reinvented himself every yeah. few years. There you go. Or uh, uh, Jared Top got swole. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Jared <laughs> Top. Um, but you know, and then there's others that didn't. When when's the last time you heard from Joe Piscopo to get us back to a Star Trek connection? There you go. <laughs> hey, hang on a second. Is he still alive? Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure he is. He's out there somewhere. Um, but he makes a good point. I th it's possible that uh, uh, season two of Next Generation is the last time that I heard from Joe Piscopo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you need to. You need to. The show needs to evolve. You know, uh, everybody thinks that that Discovery was such a departure for Star Trek because it was so different from everything that happened in the '90s. But everyone forgets about how different TNG was. From TOS, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and then with every incarnation of Star Trek, it reinvents itself to fit in with the zeitgeist of the times. It has to. Yeah, and it, um, DS9 was different from Next Generation. Enterprise was different from everything that came before. Uh, Discovery, it's it's not that it's so uh, so widely separated from the other series uh, as far as storyline and. Uh, uh, and the the politics and the the, the social impacts and the uh, intensity of the storylines really the thing that's the most different from Discovery <clears throat> and I think what is turning off a lot of a lot of the haters but they they blame the wrong thing I think it's just the aesthetic Discovery looks different than anything we've ever seen in Star Trek. <clears throat> up until that point so did and it yeah exactly um and now that we have shows that can be as uh, visually complex and rich as discovery as picard as anything on on modern uh, premium television these days it looks so different so it makes it feel that different to other people and they don't I think a lot of them don't realize that that's really what's what's throwing them off the most is is the look of it. So they'll blame what I think most people like this usually blame, which is the the social conscience of the show. Because when they're forced to see it, they don't like it. But this yeah. isn't what we were supposed to be talking about this morning. I was having that exact same thought. In fact, I was just 10 seconds ago. I said, you know, we just I, went down a big rabbit hole. We obviously have a lot of feelings about this and we and we have for quite some time, but it's not why we why we came here. We're starting to talk about the problems of 2020 that we're trying to uh ease our minds from rather than how we go about easing those minds. For me, yes. a lot of it is um, like Next Gen is my is my comfort show. Right now, um, I alternate between three of my comfort shows: Golden Girls, Archer, and Next Gen. Um, like we were talking about a little bit earlier, um, I'm a grandmother now. I was not able to go to the hospital to be with her when she was having the baby, which is very depressing. Um, but she and I used to watch Golden Girls and Next Gen together. So that's like an extra level of comfort for me. But also, this sounds so ridiculous. Also, it's like Captain Picard will make everything all right by the end of the episode. It'll be fine. He knows what to do. And that like, that like helps sort of like what Sean was saying earlier, that anxiety 
like I know what will happen and everything will be all right in the end. And that makes me happy for a few minutes at least. That's probably a lot of pressure on an actor. If uh, you, when you meet, like if you met, met Patrick Stewart and you feel like you're meeting Captain Picard and you're meeting this fatherly figure and he's, you know, he's just some dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I saw George Takei uh, at a con one time and I was so impressed and I would imagine Stewart probably does the same thing. Um, you know, he, he did his half hour, 45 minute talk or whatever, and then started taking questions. And this one kid got up and asked him, what was it like? What, how did it feel piloting a, a bird of prey and how different was it from piloting the Enterprise? And if that had been me up there, I would have been, it's just sitting in front of a wooden box either way. But Takei actually answered it like it was a legitimate question. And I, I think that the, uh, the the actors all are probably pretty good at that, uh, you know, shifting into, okay, this person doesn't quite get that I'm not that guy and this stuff isn't real. And so they, they you know, I think they go along with that. I'm, I'm not so sure pressure is something that they feel about that. Mm -hmm. I, I like to believe, zeroing in on a particular aspect of what you just said, rather than people who ask questions like that, um, I, the, the way you worded it makes it sound like uh, a lot of those people have a legitimate difficulty separating the fantasy from the reality. Um, like, like their perceptions are a little bit off. And I always prefer to view it as the people asking those questions do it from the assumption that the performers inhabit their characters as much as we as viewers try to inhabit the universe. So rather than you were actually flying a Federation ship and then you were actually flying a Klingon ship, how is that different? That must have been wild because you're actually flying spaceships. I'd like to think that in reality it was you played the pilot of a Federation ship for many years, and then you had to put you as an actor, put your character in the mindset of flying something different. How did it feel to be on those different sets in those different environments and have to approach your role from that different angle? I like to think it's, it's more in that direction rather than not understanding that these people aren't actually flying ships in the future. Uh, and if that's the way that, that they're asking it, I like even more when the performers will answer it from a more or less in-universe uh, perspective to be able to to see through the 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 possible misconception that that this fan doesn't get it and and not only not only reference the fact that we weren't actually flying ships, we were on a set in front of fake consoles to address that while at the same time giving an answer that is entertaining and satisfying to the crowd. Okay. It kind of reminds me of the the skit on Saturday Night Live when uh, Shatner was at a I was convention. Just that. Dana Carvey <laughs> said, you remember, you remember when you put that thing in the safe? Uh, what was the combination? <laughs> They kind, of, they kind of rip off of that in uh, Galaxy Quest, which I love also. Yeah. Um, I just watched the documentary like three days ago. Oh, I don't think I've Good watched doc. the documentary yet. It's outstanding. <clears throat> Where Justin Long's character asked Tim Allen's character something about like, in this episode, what were you doing this? And he's like, it's just a TV show. And then later, of course, it's like, it's all real. It's all real. You have to help me. Yeah. Tom says Jerry Ryan said when she first visited the uh, the set of Picard and commented, "You have working screens with excitement," <laughs> <laughs> because they were, I guess, they were used to just pretending like there were there were things on their screens that they were looking at, or they well, they they just had uh, paper insets in the screens to. Yeah, look well, like there was something on the screen. Back when they were doing that, it they were just using the the static L cars displays. It yeah. was just lights behind it that would light up different parts of the panel. Yeah. 
And I think uh, that's something, going back to John's question, I think that's something that we have to consider in uh, like too, putting too much pressure on the shows is like, we don't want to use the same technology that they used in TOS. Like we have, we have better technology. That's kind of what Star Trek is about, advancing technology and making the universe a better place. Why would we use 1960s technology and not evolve past that to use what we have now to make Star Trek better? Right. And e even beyond just using the, the materials that we have available now versus the materials that were available in the 60s. But when they were designing the, the Enterprise for TOS, they were designing the bridge and the computer consoles there based on what they thought computers were going to look like 400 exactly. years ago. Yeah. Which is why you have, uh, you know, entire panels <clears throat> like two foot square on on this uh, control panel. That's nothing but a grid of little little light bulbs, little tiny light bulbs, like you know, nine by twelve lights just lined up on the thing. They're not buttons. Yeah, it's not a screen. They're just lights. Well, what do these lights do? Uh, they light up. <laughs> well, but, but why? Well, I'm sure computers will do that in 400 years. We'll just have useless lights for no reason. They'll just be right here. <laughs> don't touch them. They don't do anything. They're just lights. They're right there. That's if it's, not how computers evolved. So we need to evolve what we present as future technology to reflect as best we can mm -hmm. what we think it will look like 400 years from now. If it's been a particularly rough day like um if you've been watching cnn and you see that the COVID 19 numbers are still going up um if you open facebook at yeah all. if you if you see a story about another riot in another city another statue being torn down all this kind of stuff so what what star trek series or what episode would you be most likely to go to to help you fall asleep that night? Because there's some episodes of Star Trek that when there's been when it's been a particularly heavy day, they can be heavy episodes. Like you don't want to if you're trying to relieve your mind from some of the civil unrest that's going on in our country right now, you don't want to go and watch the episode of Deep Space Nine where Cisco and Bashir go back in time to the 21st century and see the the, you know, the, ca the camps and all that kind of, yeah yeah all that kind of you, stuff you don't want to see american concentration camps in 21st century san francisco on star trek uh and i just want to go back to city on the edge of forever and watch edith killer get get hit killed hit by a car mm -hmm. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff so what what episodes are more likely to give you a security blanket to help you fall asleep at night that's that's an incredibly good question. Um, I've never for, done that. <laughs> for me, and well, I did it last night after we finished day one of the con. Um, when I got to bed, I I put Star Trek on on my uh, uh, on my home network server, uh, and I just had it shuffling, playing random episodes. Uh, at this point, I can't even remember what episode was playing when I fell asleep because I was that tired. Um, but I don't, I don't choose it for myself. I let the, I, I let the the program, I let the app, just shuffle it for me. And if it's an episode I know I don't want to watch, like for example, if eventually it's going to happen, uh, I'm going to put this on shuffle, and it's going to give me uh, TNG's Rascals, and I will yeah. skip that episode. <laughs> I will jump right over, uh, without a second thought, because I'm not going to watch that one because I hate it. It's a bad episode. Fight me. Um, but I'd say like uh, clues where uh, the crew of the Enterprise loses a day and they keep finding little bits of evidence that show that something happened in that, in that missing day rather than just traveling through a wormhole. Um, and they're, they're unraveling the clues and figuring out the mystery and then they solve it and everyone uh, comes out all right at the end of the episode and it's fun the, the stakes aren't really very high we know that they're never in any real danger but to see how creative the writers got coming up with all these different uh, indicators that something was wrong uh really really enjoy that yeah i personally like um there's a very specific reason i like menage troy 
the um, the Picard speech at the end where he has to profess his love <laughs> My to love. Oksana. She's a fever. And that just cracks me up every time. And of course, there's that meme of him like holding out his hand, like and people who are listening to this obviously can't see what I'm doing. But I also like the um, the Professor Moriarty episodes. Um, I don't know. I just I like seeing Data pretend to be Sherlock Holmes and this sort of character who is alive but isn't alive and how do they deal with that and i love in the second episode that he's in um the countess regina she cracks me up because she's <laughs> like um i got to wear trousers the whole time on safari like that's my kind of lady right there um, I enjoyed Stephanie Beecham in that episode. <laughs> the, the, the doctor from from season one of Sequest and not beyond that, which is a shame because she was great. Um, there are a couple of Q episodes that I like. Some of them, like, I'm not going to watch the Borg episode if I want to relax. Um, that kind of stresses me out where he's like, I'll just take you out into the middle of nowhere and now you're going to have this enemy. But like, ridiculous episodes like Deja Q or Cupid where they're the Robin Hood ones. <laughs> I must protest. I am not a merry man. Like makes me <laughs> laugh every time. Um, but there are also like, I'm not gonna watch Unnatural Selection where the children are asymptomatic carriers of a deadly disease that's going to kill Dr. Pulaski. Like, why am I going to watch that in 2020? Yeah. I just not. And that, that throws in the senior citizen aspect as well, which makes it even worse today. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I think the, the, um, with TNG, if you just want to watch something that's not going to have a heavy plot and it's, and it's just going to kind of lull you into a sense of euphoria, I guess. It's pretty a pretty safe bet to do most of the Q episodes and the holodeck episodes and stuff like that uh, because they're pretty, for the most part, they're pretty light. Yeah, I like to uh, watch the uh, um, Redemption parts one and two. I know that that's not a light episode, but for some reason, if I'm just in a, I want to watch TNG. Uh, I'll, I'll almost always put those on because there are just so many moments that I love in there. Uh, you know, data figuring out the the, the tachyon field and, and at the end and telling that guy to STFU in, in data's inimitable, inimitable way. Mm -hmm. I love the Dura sisters. Gowron is awesome. You know, there's just there's nothing I don't like about that. Even even though it's got Sela in it, uh, I still like like that those two episodes. And so yeah. I'll, I'll go to those a lot. It's, I it, love it, that they're It's good sisters. storytelling. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it's great storytelling uh, with with good action. Um, and any time that TNG really took the time to let Ron Moore uh, just, you know, let loose a bit in exploring Klingons a little bit more, it was it was always a good time. Yeah. Um, Raven says body parts from uh, DS9. I don't remember what what episode is body parts. I don't remember. It's the next one I need to watch to for mission logs. So, but I don't recall which one. It, let me let me find us. Let me Google it. Christopher D. Philippus says our man Bashir in Tapestry. Yeah, our man Bashir is a is a great episode. I like yeah. that. When Quark is diagnosed with a fatal disease, he auctions off his remaining, oh, his vacuum desiccated body to raise capital. Quark mm -hmm. <laughs> episodes are usually pretty fun too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like seeing the relationship between Odo and Quark, like yeah, com uh, like frenemies. They're like the ultimate frenemies. Yeah. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, I believe Body Parts is the episode where after Quark is uh, uh, diagnosed with that illness, uh, he decides he doesn't want to wait for the illness to take him, so he he uh, begins taking steps to contract Garrick to assassinate him mm. so he doesn't have to wait around for the end. So we <laughs> get that wonderful scene. About that. 
Cork is sitting at the bar and there's a plate of food put in front of him and he's tucking into it and he's really enjoying it. And, oh, this is good. This is great. And then you see the two Cardassian hands come up from behind him, grab his head and just twist it around. He falls into his food. And it's a holodeck simulation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it was it was Garrick showing how it would be done. And then there's Quark standing behind it saying, that's horrible. <laughs> but what about that sound? It's like, <laughs> Garrick's like, what do you want? This is, this is a murder. Yeah. This is how you do it. Uh, Tom says, uh, recently showed my wife the TOS episode piece of the action where they end up on a planet that's based at society and a book about Chicago gangs of the twenties was fun having to explain to her a bunch of the twenties, American slang as Shatner went full on ham. <laughs> Tom, please tell me that you followed up that episode with, um, TNG's the Royale from season two. I was just thinking that too. <laughs> Oh my god, that show that episode is so ridiculous. The Royale or or piece of the action? The Royale. Yeah. <laughs> and I I actually saw an article on Facebook yesterday saying that uh, we might be one step closer to part of that episode becoming a reality because they find a piece of that uh, NASA craft and uh, data points out that the American flag on the debris has 52 stars. And a uh, a bill was recently introduced in the Senate in D.C. Uh, to make D.C. the 51st state. Now, it, it's obviously not going to happen. It's they've already the uh, the U.S. Senate has already made it clear. Yeah, we're we're not going to we're not going to be doing that. Yeah, but still, the fact that they introduced the bill, they're trying. I like that. It's it's closer to Star Trek. So I don't know if we did a whole lot of discussion about how we have taken comfort and 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 solace in Star Trek, but we've talked a lot about different aspects of Star Trek. Uh, I think we've definitely upheld the prime direction of the prime direction. Does anyone have any any? Oh, okay, I, I like that. Um, uh, John, being, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a resident of D.C., has commented that they introduce it a lot. So this is probably another fine example of me here living in my bubble in Michigan, not realizing that yeah. something incredibly common just happened, but they're presenting it as something uncommon and noteworthy. Yeah, because it's it's There's something it. different. <laughs> it's something different to report. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so we've been going for about an hour. Does anyone have any uh, in, any any final thoughts? Uh, anything that they a, a particular aspect of Star Trek that they usually find comforting, whether you go back and do frequent rewatches or not? Is there something about Star Trek that these days you think about it and it helps you feel better for a second? Um, I've noticed online lately, kind of trying to find the best way to word it. Um, there's been a lot of racial issues going on lately in the last uh, few weeks since the death of George Floyd. Um, and when these news stories come out, first of all, when, when you see a news story uh, about anything racial, it's a good idea to not read the comments, but sometimes you do. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've noticed that if you um, if you find the people that are not saying racist things, uh, a lot of them are Star Trek fans. Because um, I've noticed a lot of people from some of the other Star Trek groups that I'm in, um, I'll see them posting on other topics and things. And, you know, there's a... If you are a true Star Trek fan, then inclusive in, inclusivity is that the right word? Mm -hmm. um, diversity, that kind of thing, is ingrained in you because you've been learning it your whole life from watching things like Star Trek. I'm not going to say that Star Trek has taught you this, this, and this, but watching things like Star Trek has taught you a lot of this, and um, and I think that. Uh, it's 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 a testament to the show 
to know that people that are true fans have carried these ideas through their entire life. Now you also see a lot of people that they like Star Trek, but they still got a lot of racist ideas. And those are, those are people that like science fiction, but they're not necessarily Star Trek fans because if they were Star Trek fans, then they would know better, <laughs> you know, Rick, you got anything? Uh, nothing more than I've already said. Just Star Trek is the optimistic bedrock upon which uh, I'm essentially constructed. So uh, I have to hope and believe that we will get through this. And someday my great, great grandchildren will travel to the stars. Virginia. Um, I just, I just like to think that it could happen. It could be not true because it's a TV show, but um, our future could be better than it is or that it seems to be right now. Um, yeah, I just, it has to be or else what's the freaking point? Like, yeah. that's, that's all I can think to console myself. A couple of these comments, uh, I was I was going to close with those actually. Go ahead. Um, it, and Sean, if you want to put these up uh, up on the big for the for the viewers, uh, Christopher DeFilippis of the Quantum Leap Podcast says, "Rational people usually being their best selves." Uh, we see that a lot in Star Trek. Um, uh, skip to the next one, Sean. Um, uh, the next one. Oh. Um, we we see people being their best on Star Trek, and that's I think why we love so many of the characters. Uh, because even if they're making mistakes, everyone that we see on the show is always trying their best. Um, Raven says, "I like that every person and life form is important." Again, yeah. something that I wish we could see more often here in the real world, but we see it much more often in Star Trek, um, where uh, life is sacred and uh, freedom and autonomy is respected and it it's made important all the time and this cat is getting where she shouldn't it is the cat way <laughs> and and finally i want to i want to close with the with john's comment um john says uh where do we take uh solace from in star trek that we've still got time we still have time to get there and even in star trek and even in Star Trek history, things for them got worse before they got better. So we might still be on track for that future. And I like that because that is a perspective. It's an aspect that I too often let myself forget that we, we all want to live in the utopic uh, future that we see in Star Trek, but uh, we too often forget that in order for the characters in Star Trek in order for Earth, for the Federation to get where they are when we see them. They had to go through a lot of difficulty, a lot of bad times, kind of like what we're doing. And it reminds us that you have to go through hard times in order to reach the better future that you want, the better future that we all think that we all hope that we all believe we can get to even if and this is not necessarily optimistic or uplifting but even if it's not a future that we're going to reach while we are still around those that come after us will get there yeah mm -hmm. in the meantime we have to do everything that we can to improve their chances of building what we hope and believe we can. I want to thank everyone for waking up early after a long day of podcasting <laughs> and started again all over today. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, it was a heavy episode of the prime direction. Uh, we tackled some serious stuff and I'm pretty sure that the rest <laughs> of the, thank you, John. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the rest of the day, uh, here at, at HomeCon is going to be a bit more lighthearted. Maybe. <laughs> Fingers crossed on that. Um, 
uh, a big thank you to uh, all the listeners that popped in and uh, have been uh, commenting on on this feed. Uh, the, the comments have been very active on on this show uh, compared to some of the panels I was on yesterday, and I'm loving this. Uh, Christopher D. Philippus says that we miss the eugenics wars, but Colonel Green is just around the corner. But that's that. <laughs> yeah. that. Um, so thank you to all of you uh, here in the comments that are that are watching live. Uh, anyone listening to this uh, as a podcast on the Prime Direction feed, um, thank you for downloading. Um, if you haven't yet, uh, please go back and check out some of the older episodes of the show available on the Cosmic Potato Network. And uh, now, finally, let's do one last round of uh, outros and, and plugs. Where can people find everyone else on the internet? We're going in reverse order. Virginia. Um, you can find me on various shows on the Cosmic Potato Network. Um, my show particularly is on hiatus, but you can find old episodes at waityouveneverseen.com or on the Cosmic Potato Network. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Virginia in Texas. Rick. Uh, go to Facebook and look for either uh, the, the Brig, which is the Starbase 66 discussion group, uh, or Infinite Diversity, which is the Infinite Diversity discussion group. They're both uh, closed groups, uh, but all you need to do is ask to be let in, answer a few silly questions to prove you're not a robot, and we'll let you right in, and we have a lot of fun there. Sean. And uh, you can find all my stuff at the at CosmicPotatoNetwork.com. I wanted to highlight a few things from today's schedule. Uh, right now, Troy and AJ from World War G have gone live. So when you finish this, click on over uh, back to the HomeCon page and go watch their live stream. They're going to be talking about Batman, the animated series for the next hour or so. Uh, Little Pot of Horrors is going to be doing a live stream at 1115. Um DC on screen is going to be uh, streaming at noon and then uh, and overlapping with that Starbase 66 uh, Rick's podcast will be doing the live stream at 1230. That's these are all central time. Yep. There you go. And then check out Joe and Gary doing their roller panel. They're going to do 20 different panels in one hour. Um, and that's at one Chris that's been commenting uh, here today is going to be on the quantum leap podcast live stream at two. And then um, Brandon's going to be doing make this podcast live, which is uh, he, he's doing a game show that's uh, like chopped, but for podcasts and I'm going to be a judge on that. And I think Scott, you're going to be contestant on that, right? Um, I think so. Yeah. That's at three fifteen. And I'm hosting um actually at 4.15. Expect that to be a little late since I'm going to be on the fandom podcast right before that. But yeah, I'm hosting um actually at 4.15. Uh, we got a guest, Kelly Romanoff, coming on to talk about cosplay at 5. There will be a Star Wars panel at 6 with myself and Joe and Stan and Mike. Uh, Scott's going to be back with me and Joe and John uh, at 7 to talk about uh, Stephen King movies. We're going to be screening a film tonight. We were going to be doing Surf Nazis Must Die. We've decided to instead do uh, Captain America 1990. So we're going to be showing the movie. We're going to be doing a watch party on Facebook, but we're going to be streaming at the same time. So you can you can have both up and we're going to be making fun of the movie and talking about different aspects of the movie and stuff. And then right now we've got a plan to play Cards Against Humanity tonight at 11. Uh, that's about 60, 40, if it'll happen. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so there's a lot going on today. So just stay tuned on at home con, the group page, and then, uh, refresh that every hour or so, because there'll be new panels coming up all day long. And uh, once again, I am Scott Madison. I'm your host here on the Prime Direction. You can find me uh, here and on various other podcasts on the Cosmic Potato Network. You can find the Prime Direction on Twitter at Prime Direct Pod. Uh, on Facebook, we have our own uh, uh, Facebook group. Uh, you can find my graphic artwork on Twitter at Planet Rise uh, or visit my website, www.planetrisecreative.com. Uh, just for some context, uh, anyone who is uh, watching this live, if you've seen the uh, the logo banner 
for at home con, or if you've seen the new logo for the quantum leap podcast, those are some examples of the work that I do. Um, most of this is all uh, freelance uh, and available for contract work. So if anyone has any uh, graphic art or design needs, then reach out and let me know. Uh, this is one of those rare occasions where I actually know what the next episode of the prime direction is going to be because it's already been recorded. So uh, tune in next time as I have a uh, longtime friend of mine, uh, Tony Davis Jones, right here on Ramna Station to discuss her prime direction. Thanks once again to all the panelists that joined me for that discussion. And listeners, if you downloaded this as a podcast and you missed out on the other panel discussions from At Home Con in June 2020, it's not too late. Find Cosmic Home Fest on Facebook. That is the new name for the event moving forward as we prep for 2021. All these videos are still there. You can see all those panel discussions anytime you want. The Prime Direction is a Planet Rise creative production cooperation with and distributed by the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. If you or someone you know would like to be on this show, send me an email, primedirectpod at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at primedirectpod. Music for this show by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. And if you ever wondered what Sean sounded like as Darth Vader, keep on listening for a special extended bonus scene coming up right now. Where is Boz? <laughs> He's in the UK. Okay. Uh, he was on the show with us last night. It was 4 a.m. for him when we started. Wow. I don't know what the hell I just did, but you sound like Darth Vader right now. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're yeah. registered. Your register dropped while you're talking. You sound like this. Okay, so well, it wasn't just me. Now? Yeah. It's the same. It, you sure it's not just my voice? Very sure. <laughs> Does it sound different now? No. You, you stole, you saw. I can't even do it. It's It's weird. Is this just your morning voice before you have time to wake up? I don't I don't know what y'all are hearing, so <laughs> you you sound like your voice has been digitally lowered. Yeah, okay, have you ever seen Real Genius? Yeah. Okay, you know when they're when they're uh screwing with with the the asshole kid and they're talking to him through his braces and his voice is coming through all deep and he's pretending to be God? Yeah. That's what you sound like. You sound like you're pretending to be God. <laughs> testing, testing. Uh, hello, my name is Sean Ray. And yeah, I'm out of sync. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's dropping down and it's out of sync. I wonder if your microphone is sick. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Yep, it, it's still down. It's a little Eeyore. I think it might just be my voice. All right, let me. I can uh, assure you, from a as a as a professional sound technician, <laughs> this is definitely not just morning morning growlies. We got a trained sound technician and a a trained vocalist that both say it's not you. This ain't right. All right. Hold on, I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Maybe we should put some Jeopardy music. Scott, you did Jeopardy. Put the Jeopardy music behind this. <laughs> that came prepackaged with the with the website that I was using. I actually don't have it recorded anymore. <laughs> and and it only played when I couldn't make it stop. For Final Jeopardy, guess what? You can't mute that music. You can try, but it won't let you. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Hold on a second. Let me. I got to restart the uh, recording because I changed my mic and stuff. Does it sound better? Saturday. Testing, testing, testing. Okay. Someone says my voice is awesome. For anyone who's already been listening, this is where we start the show. For people who are listening to this in podcast form, <laughs> you didn't hear any of this. <laughs> Please do not address this unit in that manner. <laughs>